what's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Caesar and the Wise Guy podcast. This is episode 15, and this is Caesar. And this is the Wise Guy over here. Hey, yo. All right, now that the NBA season is finally over, we have a lot more NFL action to jump into. So we're getting into Rodgers versus Brady, Derrick Henry and the Titans, and the Patriots losing to the Broncos as well. Also, is Baker Mayfield the right answer at quarterback for the Browns? <laughs> the New York Jets have an 0-6 start, so is Adam Gase's job on the line right now? Plus, some Monday night football action, and we also can't do the show without discussing the World Series. It's finally here. (laughs) We'll get into that in just a moment here. So it's that time of the year, and we'll give our thoughts on the Dodgers versus Rays in Arlington, Texas. And by the way, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Podcasts, or any other platform out there. Also, if you have questions, things you want to know about us, any suggestions or comments, we can read and answer them on this show. So email those to Caesar at CaesarandTheWiseGuy.com. And now let's set this off. All right. I feel kind of a little empty in my life right now without any basketball in it anymore. Kind of like Ben Simmons' jump shot, I suppose. Just non-existent. (laughs) Anyway. The NFL did come through with some legit topics week six worth discussing, starting with Rodgers and Brady. Brady won the battle of legendary QBs against Aaron Rodgers and the unbeaten Packers, giving them their first loss. Brady did connect with Gronk for one of his touchdowns, making it 91 career touchdowns for the duo. I can't believe that. That's quite a bit of touchdowns. I think they're up there in history books now. And Rodgers finished the day with only 160 yards and two interceptions. He said in a post-game interview, I think we needed a little bit of a wake-up call. I quote this. At some point this season, because things have been so good. (laughs) Yeah, okay, big guy. That's a little bit conceited to me, I think. What do you think? Man, these great names, Rodgers versus Brady. I mean, this is classic. It's going to go down in football history. And it's funny you say Aaron Rodgers only threw for 160. Tom Brady only threw for 166, so he beat him by six yards. Who would have ever thought both these guys would throw less than 175 yards in this game? They're going into the Hall of Fame, and this is what they get. But you know what? This game was more about defense. Buccaneers defense, most impressively, they came up and they saw this challenge. They saw an undefeated Packers team. They got hungry. They must have had a great practice because they did something to Aaron Rodgers where many teams have been trying to do for several years and probably a decade here. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, two within three passes. And the one that stood out the most was that pick six he threw. Should have seen that reaction for those out there who saw that clip or saw that game. It rattled him. He wasn't the same after that. <laughs> that actually occurred after the, the, it was a hilarious TD celebration he was doing. I, I had to look it up what he was did. It was a skit from Key and Peel where if he thrusted one more time, the referee would have probably threw a flag for a 15-yard penalty. Like I said, the double Aaron, pump. <laughs> the double pump right? And I, I love seeing, though, that connection with Tom Brady and Gronkowski. Gronk, man, they're doing it again. And it was almost like old times. So that was great to see. And they hooked up for a record amount of time. So they're going to keep on doing it. That's going to give them a lot of confidence. Absolutely. The Buccaneers are now 4-2. and two, And Brady was actually saying in a post-game interview that Gronkowski had a big game and we need to get him more involved now as well. Yep. 
In other places, Derrick Henry's five-yard overtime touchdown run kept the Tennessee Titans unbeaten, not to mention his running 22 times for 212 yards and two touchdowns, beating Houston 42-36. to I mean, Deshaun Watson was great, but Tannehill was good too, but man, Derrick Henry was just unstoppable. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel said, and I quote, really put us on his back and carried us. And with that strength, I'm sure he did. He also quoted, we were all witness to somebody taking a game over. Man, people and players are just amazed of his weekly performances. That hand push on Norman the other week. He's the only MVP candidate in discussion that is not a quarterback right now. Even Chris Johnson, CJ2K, I don't know if you guys remember on the Titans in 2009, he ran for over 2,000 yards. Even he got on social media and commented how the Titans have the best running backs in NFL history. I'm pretty sure after this game, he surpassed Dalvin Cook for most rushing yards this season and is definitely the top fantasy back as well, especially these past couple of weeks. Look, Derrick Henry is just pure dominance and he is must-watch TV. Yeah, must watch indeed. I mean, did you see that 94-yard run he had during the game? I mean, he started from the six-yard line on the other side. And if you haven't seen Derrick Henry and you see that, I mean, you wouldn't realize how such a big guy like that could have such a burst. I really thought at first that the secondary was going to go ahead and catch up to him, but he just straight zipped through. And that was really impressive to see. And I actually kind of regret not picking up Derrick Henry in my fantasy draft. Actually, he was available on the clock and I passed him up. So that was one of the biggest regrets I had. But I kind of wanted to discuss what happened late in the game. Texans head coach Romeo Cornell, he had a questionable call during the game where he actually had his moment to do some damage by going up against the Texans in the game where he basically called for a two-point attempt in an attempt to put his team up by nine points instead of eight points. So get this, if they were to kick the extra point, they would have been up by eight points, which means Ryan Tannehill, all they would have to do is go ahead and score that touchdown and then they would have to score that two-point conversion. But he decides to go for it. They failed that two-point conversion. Now the difference of the game is only seven points. And of course, what happens is Ryan Tannehill ties up the game, goes to overtime, all because Romeo Cornell decided to want to get a little bit greedy and try to put his team up by nine points. I think the Texans would have won that game if he didn't make that decision. I have to agree with you this time. This is not the same argument as our Vikings and Mike Zimmer the other week. On the other hand, there were coaching decisions. Mike Vrabel might have intentionally taken a penalty to keep the Titans undefeated. Vrabel outsmarted the Texans by drawing a 12th man penalty to save the Titans 40 seconds and send the game to overtime, which actually won the game for them because you know what happens with the new rules in overtime now and Henry just plowed their way through. So Yeah, I guess it, it just seems like the coaches are just don't even want to get to that point. So And as for Vrabel, that was a Belichick move, by the way. You can see that he comes from the Patriots because that was a total Belichick move to kind of intentionally do that and send his team to overtime to remain yeah. undefeated for the win. Yeah, I agree. 
Kind of moving on a little bit. I just want to say, I'm not a fan of either the Broncos or the Patriots, but I will take the Denver Broncos all day over the Patriots, all day, any day. And the Denver Broncos certainly have Cam Newton's number, quarterback for the Patriots. Now, in 10 seasons, as an NFL player, quarterback Cam Newton is 0-4 to the Denver Broncos. His three other losses were as quarterback to the Carolina Panthers and we all remember, most notably in 2015, it was in the Super Bowl. I'm sure a lot of Denver Bronco fans remember that. <laughs> but now, as quarterback for the Patriots, facing the Broncos, and also first game back since testing positive for COVID-19, now the long layoff may have played a role. Who knows? Because Cam Newton struggled. <laughs> he struggled against the Denver Broncos defense. Zero touchdowns, two picks and was sacked four times. Cam Newton, what happened? The Broncos even tweeted out, we're 4-0 against Cam Newton. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. That's pretty funny. Yep. Yeah. I mean, on a high note for Cam, he did join the 5,000 Rush Yard Club with Mike Vick. That's an accomplishment. He got gobbled up like dog food still by Denver. <laughs> And you know what happened? That was pretty funny. <laughs> you know what happened was it was, I think it was like 10 days without practicing. And you know who really won his game was COVID-19. I mean, the fact that he got that, there was a little layoff. He didn't get to practice with the team. They're out of rhythm. And even his mechanics were off. You can see that he kind of reverted back to that old cam back in the Carolina Panthers days. So I know he's the type of person he can bounce back because he he hates losing. You can always tell during the post-game press conference that he's going to want to bounce back, which is kind of something. Something I don't want to see because the Patriots' next opponent is the San Francisco 49ers. And so I kind of wish the Patriots won that game so they don't take out their frustration on my team, the 49ers. Since I know the 49ers did the same very thing to the LA Rams in Sunday Night Football, they lost bad to the Dolphins and they took their frustration out because they were embarrassed. So yeah, it's still going to be a good game. I really wish it was actually Brady versus Garoppolo. I'm pretty sure we'll see that in an NFC Championship game, but I know you probably disagree with that. Yeah, I definitely do, but. Uh, moving on, Pittsburgh jumped ahead quite a bit, 24 to nothing, and their defense was incredible in that game. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had a 33-yard pick six. Connor also ran for about a buck and a touchdown, while the Steelers remain undefeated as well. Now, the Browns have a winning record, regardless of the loss. What I want to know is, is Baker Mayfield really the answer at quarterback at this point? He's been through three head coaches all offensive coaches. You don't even really get that opportunity all the time as a quarterback to have all offensive coaches as well. He has a great offense on the field. He has incredible wide receivers. They just got him Austin Hooper, a Pro Bowl tight end. They have an incredible run game with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have just their coaching staff right now is fabulous. You have to say to yourself as an organization, at some point, this guy Baker is more of kind of like a Tim Couch than an elite quarterback, really. Yeah. And Odell Beckham Jr., he's mad. OBJ is mad. There's lots of pressure out there for Baker Mayfield because you saw him on the sidelines. He was barking. And just like in life, when you get married, is happy wife, happy life. And in this case, happy OBJ, happy team, right? <laughs> this is what it's going to come down to. So then the question has been asked, I mean, since Baker took over at quarterback, really out of his college days at Oklahoma. I mean, the bar has always been raised for him. Doesn't want to be the next John. 
Johnny Manziel. Nobody wants to be that. And no. he doesn't want to be a career backup quarterback. I don't know if he's well, that type. Of- well, look at, yeah, yeah. Look at what's going on right now. He folds under pressure and the Steelers just proved that in this game. In fact, look at what's happening. They're saying that Case Keenum is coming into play. His backup right now. Is he another Case Keenum because he's injured? I don't even really think he's injured. Is he even getting benched? Is that what's really going on? Right. And you saw John, I mean, I almost called him Johnny Menzel, <laughs> but you saw right. Baker Mayfield. He makes some horrible decisions. I mean, I forgot what court it was. He was scrambling, trying to find somebody open in desperation, just throws out to the coverage, hoping for some type of miracle. I mean, this wasn't a Hail Mary situation. He threw it out there for anybody to grab. And obviously the secondary grabbed that for the Steelers. Steelers embarrassed them. The Steelers exposed. <laughs> yeah, the, the Steelers exposed the Browns. And I think them playing a great team, it actually shows who the Browns really are. So we'll see how this season develops, man. Yeah, this is his third year. And in this division, you have to win more, especially with the weapons that he's provided with. You got the Steelers in this division. You got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and we know what they're all about. They are not going to pick up his fifth year option if he continues to play like this. I think it's time the Browns start looking around, I think, at least looking at what their options are. Right. There you go. Yeah, man. Well, it kills me to say this, but the Jets are not just a bad football team anymore. They are the entire laughing stock of sports. <laughs> Literally, they are the only winless team through week six. And their latest tragedy was laying a goose egg against the Miami Dolphins with a score of 24 to zero. Now, sending Coach Gase packing is the only thing that makes sense at this point. The guy has more double digit losses than total wins as a head coach. This is the second time in their 61 year existence as a franchise that the Jets have fell to 0 and 6. <laughs> this is crazy. While he was down 24 to nothing, Coach Gase even tried sending a kicker out for a career-long 55-yard field goal just to prove that he has no sense of play calling or managing a game whatsoever. All Gase could say at the end of the game is he wasn't pleased with Coach Williams, his defensive coordinator. I mean, take some accountability for coaching your team or not coaching your team at some point. The Jets have been outscored and outplayed in every sense of the game. He's one of the worst offensive minds and coaches I've seen, and I think everybody will feel better when he gets his walking papers, that's for sure. I mean, this whole culture needs to be fixed, and we need to start from the top with the right coaching staff at some point. Exactly. And not to mention to our followers out there that Mike the Wise Guy is a huge Jets fan, so you can probably hear it in his voice. He's a little frustrated. It's a little more personal, but yeah, this man. This is painful. We- <laughs> this is more than frustration. And, and I'm dying here. My heart is getting squeezed. The, my guts are coming out of me. Right. And, and you can't go a week without getting my uh, text messages on how bad the Jets suck, but it's still funny oh to me. Oh, my wanted. gosh. <laughs> All right. And we see what happened with the Falcons and the Texans, man, getting rid of their head coach. I'm sure Adam Gase is really feeling that pressure. He's supposed to be an offensive mind. And from what I've heard or what I read, they actually scored a total of six times in the last six games. That is not an offensive mind, in my opinion. So no, I'm thinking they're hanging on to him because they must have loved him as a hire. I mean, you could imagine how excited they were to get Adam Gase. Oh, man, the Jets are going to touchdowns galore. They got a young quarterback. But the only thing now that I can think of 
of when they hired him was that intro press conference where he appeared to be on some type of drug, weed, whatever. He was drugged up on something where he had that wandering eye. <laughs> that that was a bad start. I don't know if that just started a downhill effect from there, but I mean, that's what people started thinking of. They start reverting to little things like that um, when they're not winning. Yeah, and at this point, we possibly ruined Sam Darnold's career right. because he's not working out for us, and now we're already tanking for Trevor Lawrence from Clemson and hopefully a new coaching staff and hopefully a new start. Moving on, let's do a little bit of Monday night football. Yeah, let's do that. Bills versus Chiefs, man. That was a great game we just saw. Man, what stands out to me is Josh Allen's arm. Unfortunately, that itself cannot win a game. It wasn't good enough. (laughs) Yeah, the Chiefs ended up taking that game. And it was actually a really good game. It's just that Buffalo Bills just couldn't execute through what they had. And Josh Allen, man, the quarterback for the Bills, his potential is through the roof. But right now, the Chiefs just play smarter. Team coming off a rough loss to the last Vegas Raiders. I mean, that was just a difference maker. And what really propelled the Chiefs was the Chiefs running game. They actually, I don't know, it's almost as if they wanted to impress Le'Veon Bell, who's just got signed. I think he's going to play next week. And it's almost as if they listened to what I said in last week's podcast, where I was complaining about the Chiefs throwing the ball. I was calling Pat Mahomes a ball hog. where He was always passing on first and second down. It was a total 180 on this game. But yeah, man, they they proved they're going to be a tough team in the AFC. I'm sorry to step in about Josh Allen real quick, but I think you're one of those people that are high on him because you've seen him play great against bad teams. Now, when he plays against great teams, you know, I think it's Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver who carries him and makes it look good. But other than that, he's in decent quarterback, but he's not all that great. When he plays against great defenses, the only time he's got a good arm is when Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver, carries him. That's really all it is. You're one of those people who just are shaded by what you see in Josh Allen. We're only in week Sorry, six, geez. so I, I think by the end of the season, we'll know exactly what Josh Allen will get to see exactly how he's going to perform. So we're just going to have to wait and see that. And before we go on to the next subject, I just have to say to all the Cowboys fans out there, your season is done. After seeing that performance <laughs> with the Arizona Cardinals, just call oh, it. Oh man, just call I it a wrap. I feel bad laughing. I feel bad laughing. Just Dak will be back. Okay, Dak will be back. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll just about leave it. it. At, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, moving on. It is time for some baseball. Yep. And then there were two, the L.A. Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. Both teams went to Game 7 in the ALCS and the NLCS, which was so exciting. There were comebacks. There were dominance. We saw Randy Rosarita take off. We saw Betts. Betts is a Rays killer in his career. I just want to say, as a Yankee fan who was pulling for the Rays to beat the Astros, because I I did not want to see them win. They beat my Yankees in the wild card because we should be here. I just want to say thank you to the Tampa Bay Rays because they did a service to every baseball fan out there. The Astros could have been here, but they took care of that. Not in the year where their scandal was uncovered, not with a losing record in baseball. So to every Astros fan who had hope or who thought they should have got respect or who 
is siding with C's from our last episode. No, that's all what? I have to say to you. And thank Actually, you, Tampa Bay Rays. But I just want to say I'm going to stop pulling for you at this point and start to pull for the Brooklyn Dodgers instead. No, and boo. say that they are and say that they are going to win this in about six or seven games. Ooh, man. All right. Going back to what you said about the Astros, they actually did get some respect. I saw Curtis Granderson on TBS, uh, everybody on, on TBS, pretty much Pedro Martinez. They were pretty much giving props to the Astros. I know you hate to hear that. Now that I think about it, I think if the Astros did make the World Series, they would have got spanked by the Dodgers because the Dodgers are so very frustrated. They already have a big chip on their shoulder. So they would have took all that frustration out on the Houston Astros. So I probably we probably would have saw a lopsided World Series for the most part. But yeah, man, going in into this World Series, I do. Yeah, now going into this World Series, open your eyes because the Astros are not here. We get right. to see two of the best teams in baseball, the only two teams, to win 40 games in a 60-game short season meeting in the World Series. So how about that? Yeah, and I think this is going to be, I don't know why people are talking about how the Dodgers all have this great offensive power. Yeah, they're great offensively, but I always think the best pitching always wins the World Series. I mean, look, the, I call them, I like to call these guys the Devil Rays. I still n- never adjusted to the Rays. They're the Tampa Bay Devil Rays to me. Anyways, they got the big three pitchers. They got Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now. I mean, this is going to be a big challenge for the Dodgers. And I can use a good example as to what I mean about the offense being overrated. Going back to 2012, Giants versus Tiger World Series. I know you probably hate me going into another San Francisco Giants example, but this oh, is God. true. <laughs> the Detroit Tigers were the best offense in the in the American League. They were hot. They were scoring that was for the five, Giants, right? Tigers are hot. Detroit Tigers were coming in in 2012, ready to go ahead and defeat the Giants. But the Giants ended up sweeping up because why? Because the pitching, the pitching always wins. And this is what I believe. If somehow the Dodgers can still beat Charlie Morton, Blake Snell and Glassnell and company in their mm-hmm. bullpen, I'll give them props. I'm not I'm not going to shy away from that. But I like to the see Dodgers what happens. Still have the Dodgers still have a decent bullpen with Kershaw and company and their Kershaw. run differential. Yeah, and they're run- this is the playoffs, man. Playoffs. This is he's starting and, game one. Guess what's gonna and, okay? And their All run right. differential was more than two times that of the Rays. They're a deeper ball club, one through nine. I I understand minus the bullpen that could be challenging, but the Dodgers have been to the World Series three out of four times now. Third times a charm, losing. Third times a charm. The Dodgers right. have a way superior offense. And listen to me, they just had a huge scare with the Braves, who's offense is way better than the Rays any day of the week. And if their pitching can take care of the Braves, their pitching can take care of the Rays. Ba-boom. Right. And then who got defeated by the Rays? The great Yankees who you say were going to the World Series, but they couldn't beat the, I'm going to call them Devil Rays. Yes. So this is a great team. We're talking about the best team in baseball right now. The Dodgers had the best record, 43 and 17. They are the best team. Also, and, and, think about this. Betts, who's going to win MVP and his career versus the Rays, 16 home runs, 28 doubles. He has a 310 average, mind you. He is going to lead the Dodgers to a World Series and win because he's going to earn that huge contract that they're paying him. And I said this in an earlier podcast, the team with the best regular season record in the season ends up winning the World Series these days like 25% of the time. That does not 
always equate to getting a ring, right? And I said so, this earlier in the podcast. Betts is a raise killer in his career. But like I said just just a second ago, it's going to be the pitching. So if the Devil Rays pitching, yes, I'm still calling him Devil Rays, is going to go ahead and match up well against the Dodgers hitting, I'm in favor of the Rays here. So, I mean, you I'm can glad you that. are. And I'm glad you brought up the Giants earlier because I have a question for you, Caesar. And I want to explain this to all our followers because you're out there in California right now, right? You're on the West Coast. How come you're not cheering for your Dodgers? You know, I'm a huge Yankee fan. <laughs> if the Mets were in the World Series right now, I'd at least be pulling for them. Why are you at least pulling for your California Dodgers right now on the West Coast out there? What kind of person the, are you? What the, kind of baseball <laughs> fan are you, for gosh sakes? The best rivalry in baseball today is the Dodgers is the versus Yankees and the, Is the Yankees and it the is, Boston Red it Sox is not. two different states and we all know that. It is that. not. It is not. It is a t- I understand what you're trying to say. You know what? That actually saves a good topic for one of our future podcasts, which is or which teams are better rivalry. So let's let's Ooh. save that for another time. Ooh. Let it, our followers, do you want to hear that? The best rivalries in sports, the best rivalries in baseball, the best rivalries in football. Let us know which ones you want us to do. Tune in. Send an email. Let us know what you want to hear. This has been a really, really fun podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know what your predictions are for the World Series. Let us know what you think about some of our comments in football. It's kind of been dry in basketball, but we are going to keep you updated with some drama and some off-season updates when the draft starts happening. So please follow us on social media. Listen to us on any platforms you have. And we will keep you updated with the sports buzz. See ya!